morning I want to sh share with you about another Jesus revolution. And uh, you'll remember the film that we had here a few weeks back, and uh, it was called that, The Jesus Revolution. Well, I want to talk about another Jesus revolution being the need of our world today. And uh, in doing so, I'd like to read out of Revelation chapter 2, uh, 1 to 7, one of the first messages to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And uh, that kind of helps us with what things we need to do uh, to get ready and to prepare ourselves to see another Jesus revelation take part in our world. And so you'll see that on the screen. Otherwise, uh, you can uh, get a Bible app on your phone to follow along or if you have your Bibles with you. I was kind of thinking about that, uh, of the difference that's changing in the Jesus revolution seeing people bring their big Bibles to church. And uh, most of us today leave our big Bibles at home and we just snap out the phone and we, you know, read whatever version the pastor may be using because on your phone you have every version under the sun uh, that you can just apply to. So a little bit different uh, today than it was uh, yesterday. But it's still important that we have the Word of God and read the Word of God and keep holding to the Word of God. So I want to read Revelations 2, 1 to 7. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is a message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitan just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. And understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and in the paradise of God. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're in our midst. Lord, there's no greater pleasure than to know that you are with us, that you are here. Lord, even as we read this uh, passage of Scripture, you tell us that you are the Lord that walks in the midst of the church. And Lord, I thank you that you're in the midst of the church right here today. You walk in the midst of this place. And Lord, as you do so, I, I know that you touch people. Uh, Lord, where we're at, some might need a healing. Some might need encouragement. Some might need a special word. Some might need whatever it might be, God, you're here. And Lord, we just welcome you to just to go through this whole church today and just begin to speak to people and touch people and encourage people in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I'm going to share with you about our need of another Jesus revolution. And, uh, you know, during these last few months, we've uh, been, a lot of us have got to see that film. And it's been interesting that it surprised Hollywood as it, as it has grossed over $50 million in the box office. And so for a, a film, that's a pretty good thing to happen. For a Christian film, that's pretty much like a miracle that has taken place. So back in the 60s and early 70s, 
a Jesus movement was happening among the hippie generation or the young generation in which Time Magazine kind of changed that and they called it the Jesus Revolution as they recognized that many young people, many young adults and hippies were coming to faith in Christ and that it was a real revival that was taking place in North America. And, and, and that's why they ended up calling it a Jesus Revolution. It wasn't just a revolution, but it was a Jesus Revolution of people calling out to Jesus. Now, this week, I just happened to uh, get a magazine. It's called The Servant. And it had some articles on the Jesus Revolution. And what caught my attention right away was the, the, the title article. It says, How God Transformed an Unlikely Generation and How He Can Do It Again. And I like that. And, and I, do, I believe that with all my heart. How God Transformed an unlikely generation, and how we can do it again. And as we look at some of the things that are going on in our world today, it's not really looking in the natural like, oh, there's going to be a revival. There, there, people are going to start turning to Christ. You, you may not really see that as you look at the world. But it might be an unlikely situation, but it was an unlikely situation when the Jesus Revolution took place back in the 60s and 70s. And God is able to do it again. One of the articles in that uh, magazine was written by Greg Laurie. And uh, he, he was the uh, person that was uh, in the movie. You would have saw him as a young man. And they were following this romance with this young girl uh, throughout the movie. And then at the end of the movie, he was feeling the call to be a preacher. And they kind of at the end, they set him up in a church. And uh, he's basically still there today. Uh, ministering in that church, and uh, I believe he said they've led over a million people to Jesus Christ since he started at that church, and so that's a pretty powerful thing, and uh, he was a person that was part of that Jesus revolution, and then continued on uh, welcoming people to come to his church, and uh, so that's a pretty cool thing. Anyway, in his article, he noted some similar conditions of today that can be compared to conditions back then. And he kind of talks about back then in the 60s and 70s, there was the idealism of the flower power, uh, the idealism of drugs and alcohol, how it promised higher consciousness but really only led to despair and overdoses. Free love resulted in broken hearts and diseases. And many kids were ended up growing up in broken homes where there was only one parent and sometimes none. And it would seem that, you know, we're, we look at that, well, we're right back there again. And if not really in a worse situation, uh, where today we're following a lot of empty, unfilling idealisms that are out there. Uh, drugs and alcohol abuse are really rampant. The free sex is still causing lots of problems. And we still see uh, more and more homes uh, people coming from broken homes than ever before. And, and then as we look at, you know, what's taking place in that younger generation uh, that is coming up, those 13 to 18-year-olds, they're called the Generation Z. And uh, they say they're, they're the loneliest generation right now. And uh, with COVID that happened, uh, instance of self-harm among those 13 to 18-year-olds, this would be U.S., but be very close, I'm sure, in Canada statistics, 
it said that that rose 99.8%. Overdoses rose 119%. Anxiety rose 94%. Major depression disorders rose 84%. And those are pretty alarming statistics of what's happening in our world right now. But God has a message. God is looking for our hearts. God is wanting to intervene. God is wanting to touch people and lift people and encourage people. And if we can get our eyes off the world and all that the world is saying and even all that the church is saying at times and get our eyes on Jesus Christ, there's a fresh message, I believe, for everyone that will look unto the Lord and experience a fresh relationship with him. I believe that God wants to start another Jesus revolution where people start turning and running to Jesus and that we would see a revival that would touch our whole world. I think as a society, uh, we are in a position where we, we need hope. We need a change. And, and we're looking in lots of different areas, but there's only one area that's going to change things, and that's what the hippie generation found. It was Jesus Christ. And, and more and more people are starting to realize that we need to make a choice. We need to make a decision, and we need to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And, you know, if we, we look at the world, even politically, uh, economically, it, it's really a mess out there. But yet, in the midst of the mess, more and more people are coming to faith and price and, uh, in Christ. And so I'm really praying for another Jesus revolution. And as we think of all the revivals that have happened, you know, in these last 25 years or so, uh, Pensacola, Mobile, Kansas City, Reading, Asbury, uh, just to mention a few, uh, we're believing that that's going to increase and going to increase more and more where we're going to see more and more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's one of the things that this uh, Greg Glory uh, has that sentiment that he's expecting another move of the Holy Spirit to touch our world where people will come to Jesus Christ and that it will be a far greater movement that not just touch North America, but touch our whole world. And as he talks about that expectation, he begins to talk about some things from experience that he learned of what the church needs to do to ready itself for another Jesus revolution to take place. And, and so as I was reading that, that kind of really spoke to my heart and uh, you know, I, I just want to kind of expand upon that and, and mention some of those things that he refers to that we can prepare ourselves for to be ready for a Jesus revolution, for a revival, for people coming to faith in Christ because I really believe there's going to be a mass group of people that are going to start coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the first area that the author points out is necessary for another Jesus revolution to happen is for the church to get back to his first love. Now, we just read that in the, the message of Jesus to the churches of Revelation. And, you know, those messages to the churches are there for an important reason. You know, as it's coming to the ends of time, uh, you see Jesus speaking to the church and saying, there's some things, church, that you need to start dealing with that you might be ready for that end-time harvest. And so there's some things that we see in the passage of Scripture. And one of those big things is we need to get back to our first love. Our first love for God, our first love 
for one another. And it's been uh, rather enjoyable as we've been taking this time to welcome one another and uh, get to know one another, introduce ourselves to one another. Kind of helps us to get to know one another, you know what, and to love one another. Get to recognize, hey, these are the people that God is bringing into our midst, and we got to love them. we got to pour out His love uh, upon everyone that comes into this place. And so that's a message that Jesus was trying to get across to the churches uh, of Revelation. And there are seven messages there that Jesus speaks to the churches of what needs changing and what's uh, important and what the church needs to do. And that first message, again, is talking about your first love. First love. God first, and then loving one another. And again, it kind of seems fun, funny that God would speak to the church and say, there's some love issues that happen in the church. And you need to get back to that place and make it to the forefront that we choose to love God and we choose to love one another. Listen again to the message that Jesus gave to that church in Revelations in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from among its place among the churches. See, one of the problems every church will face is the temptation to get satisfied where we're at and gradually we stop pursuing God like we once did. We stop gradually not loving one another like we used to love one another. And so those are things that Jesus wants the church to correct. It's important. And, and we need to examine ourselves to see if maybe we have fallen that trap where maybe we don't look at serving God as so important anymore. Or maybe we don't you know, look at one another as that it's important that we love one another in this place. And, you know, sometimes the desires and busyness and, and things of life, they can really, you know, take our time that we don't find ourselves giving that time we used to give to God or to one another. And I want to be very clear here. The problem is not the things. The problem is that the priority list has changed. Again, look back to verse 2 and 3 here of Revelations 2. It says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I, I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles and not. You've discovered they're liars. You've patiently suffered uh, without quitting. You know, and sometimes that is our focus. We kind of lose the part about loving God and loving one another, and we just kind of focus maybe on some more religious things. And we kind of get good at, you know, going through the motions of church, but maybe it's not impacting you anymore because we're not focusing on one another. We're not focusing on loving God. Just like this morning, I just felt that so strong as we were singing that song. And even as they sang it the second time, it was like, man, we're, we're singing it wrong. It's Jesus singing that to us. I want your heart. I want to know you. I want to get close to you. And that's what his desire is for us. And we just need to come along and say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I don't want to fight over this no more, Lord. I just want to give it all to you. I give it all, Lord. And maybe you're here today and you've been fighting that battle. You know, you're trying to say, oh, should I give it all to God? And you're trying to do these things and you're trying to do those things. And it's just not working out. 
And, and the Lord's just saying to you, I want your all today. I want your all. Give me your heart. I want your heart today. And so that's part of what's being talked about here, that God is wanting us to get back to that place that we give our all to Jesus. He's our focus. He's our desire. We base everything about that desire to serve him and to love him and to love one another. And we're all needed. Whether you're a new person to church or whether you've been a person in church all your life, we do need one another. We really do. And I'm sure if anyone who's been a Christian for any amount of time, uh, you will go through seasons in your life where you'll look back and just say, oh, I'm so thankful that I knew some other Christians that helped me through this time. So if we're wanting another Jesus revolution, we need to get back to that focus, loving God, loving one another. That really needs to be so very, very important. And, and you've been hearing me saying quite a bit of late, like, let's get our focus on Jesus. That's where it needs to be. And, you know, we've been bombarded with so many ideas and so many things we should be doing and, you know, so many things just racing through our minds that we just got to throw those aside and say, i got to focus on Jesus and loving him and then loving one another. And so that's something that's very important that this, uh, this author found, that being a part of the Jesus revolution, uh, starting a church, he, he realized that that's what needed to happen in the church. The church needed to be ready to love people. And you remember in the film, there was a lot of people in the church, they didn't want those hippies to come into the church. They didn't want the, those younger people to come into their church. And so they kind of snubbed them. And then when they saw they were starting to come anyway, some of them left and said, no, I, I don't want that. I, I don't want to be there with them. And they missed what God was doing at that time. We don't want to miss what God is doing. Then a second part that he spoke about of the need of the church for another Jesus revolution is to pray. And again, that, that's a real basic one. It's kind of a no-brainer. But yet, it's one of those areas that we often avoid as churches to come together to pray. I, I know that probably all of us pray. Some of us may pray more than others. Some of us have an awesome devotional life. But do we ever come together with other people and pray? Because we need to do that. You know, and, and I know we all have different likes. We have different comfort zones. Uh, we have different ways that we like to pray. And so I know sometimes you'll come to a prayer meeting and it's kind of not the way that you like to pray or feel that we should pray. And so we kind of say, ah, oh, well, that ain't for me, so I guess I won't come. And what we need to realize, listen, our call is just to come and pray. It's not about, you know, should it be this way or that way? Should we stand? Should we jump? Should we sing? Should we do whatever? It's just, no, just come to pray. Pray with one another. Pray with one another. Come in agreement with one another to believe God for something good to take place. And so that's why we want to encourage you. And as you look through the Bible, you'll see throughout all of Scripture, over and over again, that we see that prayer is the way for the world to be changed. If there was any problems, any difficulties, constantly the Word says, then pray. Then pray. Second Chronicles 7.14, we all know that one, or most of us would. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. You know, that's more than just a nice quote. We all like to quote that. Yes, this is what we need to do. We need to get together. We need to come together and pray 
And that's about as far as we get. It's kind of like a desire. It's kind of like something we agree with, but we don't necessarily do it. And we need to remember that prayer changes things. Prayer changes our world. Prayer moves the hand of God. And we need to do that. And it's good to come together and join together with other people and pray. Uh, I, was, I was blessed uh, just hearing some people uh, here in our own church where you've been getting together with some people and you've been praying and uh, uh, praying together, meeting together to pray. That's important. That's good. And, uh, you know, if you can't make it out to a church one, then to make it out to where there's a, another group of Christians who are praying and pray together. It's so good to do. And, you know, as you look at revivals throughout history or any revolutions where there's a Jesus movement that takes place, it always has its origins and can be found where people were praying. And so we, as a church, we need to be praying. Uh, desire is not enough. Uh, praying at home is not enough. We need to come together, get to get together with people and to pray. And, uh, you know, thinking of some of you guys, uh, Monday night, a group that gathers down that ideal carpet and they will pray every Monday night. That's a good place to belong. It's a good place to go to pray and to believe. If you're free Wednesday night, come and join us here. Uh, Thursday night, come out and join us out on the reserve. And so lots of different opportunities to pray. Third thing in this article that he spoke about of the church is that the church needs the Bible. It needs to hold on to the Bible for another, another revolution for Christ to take place. And, and again, it's kind of like, man, that's a real basic that would maybe come to our minds. But the reality is that not every church uses the Bible anymore. Sometimes you go to church and all you hear is stories. Sometimes, uh, you know, you'll hear other books that people will refer to, and they're not referring to the Bible anymore. So it can be a big problem uh, in our world today, to go to a church and find a church that actually uses the Bible and speaks from the Bible. And uh, that was a problem way back when Jesus was talking about it, uh, you know. Uh, but even back then, there were seeker-friendly churches and churches that, you know, wanted to make it easier for people uh, to come to faith. And so, you know, you don't have to worry about this. You know, you don't have to worry about this. You know, uh, you can live any way you want and, and so forth. And that's still happening today. It still happens today. We have churches that like to do that. And, uh, you know, just don't stress anything about correcting our lifestyle. And yet the Bible says, no, we need to repent. We need to repent. And, and that's what we need to do. Note the commendation of the early church back in verse 2 in verse 6 of Revelations 2, it says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles or not. You discovered they're liars. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. And, well, how do they know that was evil? How did they know that, you know, what an apostle should be? How did they know that the Nicolaitans were, was really a, a false Christianity? They were basically, you know, saying you could do a whole lot of sinful things and still be a Christian. That's what the Nicolaitans were doing. How did they know that it was wrong? The Word of God. That's how they knew. They had the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God, and we as Christians need to continue to hold to it. We need to avoid the trap of taking some verses and leaving out other verses. We need to hold to the truth of the Word of God. 
especially when we have people out there today that want to ignore some of the Bible or take bits and pieces of the Bible so they can tolerate behaviors that aren't consistent with Christianity. The Bible knows best, and we need to keep that as our textbook for life and for church. And that's why when you come here, you'll hear us read a portion of Scripture. We'll refer to scriptural passages because we want you to know we're not up here. We don't want to speak opinions. We want to speak what the Bible has to say and to let you know what the Bible has to say. And we need to get hungry uh, for what the Bible has to say. You know, there, there's so many voices that are out there today and telling us to do this or do that. And even in churches, you know, they're telling you, do this, do that. You need to look to the Word of God. Your directions will come right from there. Very clear directions, good directions that you can count on by looking to the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 tells us and reminds us, all Scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. That really pretty much describes what the Bible does for us. Why we need the Bible? Because the Bible teaches us. It teaches us what is right and what is wrong. It helps us to, uh, to realize that, you know, sometimes that maybe it won't give you an exact word that this is wrong or that is wrong, but as you begin to read it, you'll catch the, the drift of it and realize, no, this is not where I'm to go. He uses it to prepare us and equip us to do every good work. That's what the Bible does. It needs to stay central to our faith. It needs to be followed whether we like it or not. Sometimes you can read portions of the Scripture and I don't like that portion. I, I don't like that part. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It is the truth. We need to hold to that truth. And, uh, you know, you, you look at that. Remember that movie, uh, again, that picture where they were coming in. They had the nice big Bibles and holding those big Bibles. And I, I know most of us still have those big Bibles even though I don't see too many uh, too, uh, today, I, I know that we're using our phones or we're using an iPad or whatever. But uh, some about reading it out of the Bible, uh, out of a book too. I know my own personal devotions. I, I like. Uh, I don't like using my iPad. I use that for my sermons. But I like using uh, a nice big old old Bible. I just like holding that and, and reading it out of there. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but to me, I kind of like doing that. But it's important. The Bible is important to us. And then fourthly, the article kind of switches to look at some uh, practices uh, of practicality that need to happen in the church too. If we really want to see uh, a Jesus revolution take place in our own church, then there has to be an expectancy for it. You got to start expecting it. You got to start believing for it. You know, you just not talk about it got to start believing for it. you got to start looking for it. There has to be an expectancy there. You know, sometimes we can get so discouraged by circumstances and even how our church may be going, and sometimes you can lose the expectancy. You know, there's always going to be naysayers out there. There's always going to be people who, who will discourage you. There's always going to be things that will be negative and people that want to, you know, get their own following or want to divide. They want to destroy the church and Bible's pretty clear. It says, stay away from people like that. Why do we keep tolerating people that kind of try to take us away from God instead of draw us to God? So anyway, we've got to be careful of that. 
But, uh, you know, something that's important, if a church needs some attention, and churches do from time to time because Jesus himself is speaking here to the church and telling them that, yes, church, there are some things that you need to pay attention to. But you know what? If a church needs some attention, you know where we need to go? Go back to loving God and loving one another. There's where we need to go back. That's where we need to start building and go back to what builds a church in the very first place, loving God and loving one another. And if you've lost your expectancy or your passion, uh, I really encourage you to, you know, to recognize that and do something about it. Um, because if you don't, you're going to go down a road where eventually you'll probably not even serve God anymore. So when you're starting to sense that you don't have an expectancy anymore or a passion anymore, then it's you that needs to do some work. Not the church, not the pastor. You need to do the work. You need to work on yourself. And in Revelations 2.5, if it says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And again, what are those works you do at first? You love God. It's all about loving God and loving one another. Two very important parts. Because if you don't repent, I will come remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So work at getting your expectancy back. You know, come out to services. Uh, come out to early to church. Come expecting uh, to meet uh, with God. Uh, he mentioned during that Jesus revolution, if you didn't come early to church, you didn't get a seat. And you know, that's, uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I must say, I'd love for that to happen here. That we'd have so many people here so early for church that when people come late, there wouldn't be a seat. I'm sorry, I, I kind of like, would like to see that take place. But you know what? There needs to be expected. We need to come to church saying, man, I I'm here today. I'm expecting something to happen today. And, you know, if you go to these revivals that we talked about and, uh, you know, Asbury Revival, uh, you stood in line for hours and hours and hours and you still weren't guaranteed to get inside the building. That's what it needs to be like. I know we went to a church, Judy and I, when we were down in Florida in Orlando. And... Uh, we went really early because we didn't really know where the church was and with traffic, how long it was really going to take us. And we arrived there a little bit over an hour early and we're looking at all these cars and we're like, what's going on here? And like, it says right here and we're looking at that church doesn't start for another hour. And I guess we don't have time to get supper. And we just went quickly to a gas station that was right nearby and just grabbed some water and something to quickly eat. And uh, we get in that church, and we're still 45 minutes early. And then they tell us, oh, well, you're going to have to wait because you can't get in the lower bowl because it, it's full. You'll have to wait a while, and then we'll, we'll take you upstairs, and, you know, if there's enough, you, you get that opportunity to go up there. And so I was like, what? Like, we're here 45 minutes early, and you tell me, I mean, I get a seat. You know what? That's the way it needs to be. Yeah, we start going to church saying, yeah, I better get there because there may not be a seat. And uh, praise God, we, we're praying for that uh, to, to happen. We don't want to treat church as casual. We want to come to church expecting. And, you know, even as we come in that very first song, expect God to do something. Expect God to speak to you as you come. And, uh, again, so very, very important to raise that expectancy. Then a fifth practical area uh, they touched on was, Again, very practical. Invite people to church. 
you know, as Christians, we should be inviting people to church. Uh, sometimes we don't want to do that. We kind of, oh, man, if I invite them to church, you know, maybe this person might act up that day. Uh, maybe the pastor might do this thing today. And so we don't. Just invite them. You know what? God will take care of it. It's kind of amazing sometimes when, you know, guests do come and something happens in the service that's maybe a little bit out of the ordinary and how often that can be the very thing that speaks to that person and brings them to faith in Christ. And so our job is to invite. And we just let the rest, Lord, work it out. You know, God, you know, I'm just going to invite and, and see them come. And uh, we see that in, in the book of Acts as we see the church starting to grow. Uh, well, obviously, they were inviting people. They were telling people about Jesus. Acts 2, 47. And it says, all the while, talking about the church growth, praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to the fellowship those who are being saved. Part of a great commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're to go out with the gospel. We're to tell people about Jesus. And, you know, uh, if we keep listening to the culture of the day, uh, if we keep listening to what everyone else is saying, then you know what? We're going to get to that place where a lot of Christians today never share their faith and never tell people about Jesus. Some have convinced themselves that, no, we don't do that today. You know, that could be offensive to someone to share about Jesus, so we just don't share or talk about him. Do you see that in Scripture? No. No. We're to go out and tell people about Jesus. And I'm really glad that you are doing that. Uh, I, I know over these last few Sundays, just listening to people say, hey, Pastor, you know, I was talking to this person and that person. I was inviting them out to church. Pastor, you know, I was praying with this person over here. Pastor, you know what, I led this person to the Lord this week. And just hearing those stories, that's awesome. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We have an obligation to tell others about Jesus and share it. And then lastly, this article talked about a, another very important truth that every church needs which is to be open to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit of God. And, and that's a message that was so important that Jesus repeats it to every church. He, he gives certain, uh, you know, condemnations. He gives them certain recommendations. He gives them encouragement. But for every church, he said, this is something that's very important for you. Revelations 2.7 is the first of uh, eight verses in Revelation that say the same thing. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the church. And again, you know, we really need to be listening to what, what's the Spirit saying to us. Even this morning in, in church, what was the Spirit saying to us? It's looking for our hearts. It's looking for our hearts. You know, we can, you know, listen to what society is saying. We can listen to what the latest book is saying. We can listen to what the media is saying. We can listen to what some preachers are saying and prophets and all that kind of thing of what they're all saying. But what's most important is that we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's what's important. And I, again, you know, such a bombardment out there. And we need to get that place that we hear what the Spirit is saying to us, to us as a church, to saying to us as an individual, and that we act upon it. You know, and sometimes, you know, you listen to the Holy Spirit and kind of go against the flow of what you want to do. Uh, the Holy Spirit sometimes might impress you to do something you don't want to do it because it's kind of a step of faith for you to do it. 
But, you know, we, we gradually learn that if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you know what? He honors it. He gives us empowerment, and he helps us to do what he's asking us to do. And so God is speaking. He still speaks today. And if we want another Jesus revolution, or we want to see people, a big influx of people coming to Christ, that we really need to be tuning our ears to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not the latest newscast, not, not the latest church magazine either, to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So in closing here this morning, we want to be another church. We want to be another area that experiences a Jesus revolution, a revival where people come running to Christ. Uh, we want to open up our hearts to welcome all the new people that God is going to bring our way. And if you're a new person here today, we welcome you and, and want to say to you, listen, you are welcomed here. We want you here. Uh, please don't make it a, a one-time event. We would love to have you come and be a part of what God is doing in this hour at this time because I believe there's so much more and we're going to need everybody to help as that harvest comes in. And so if you're new here, welcome. We love you. Uh, we want to see you stay with us and let's work together for the kingdom of God. And you know, as I, I look around in our church, um, I see we are getting ourselves ready for what God is wanting to do. Uh, we're seeing more and more people are inviting others to, to come to church. I see more and more of you are sharing about your faith. I see more and more of you leading people to Christ. More and more of you are, are praying. More of you are, are putting aside some past offenses and hurts. You're just saying, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to let that bother me no more. I'm going to put it behind me. You're going forward. You're leaving those things behind. Seeing people get hungry for God. I see supporting one another, blessing one another, volunteering. And it's, it's encouraging to see that. You know, last week I, I was blessed. Uh, we had a football player here last week from the Calgary Stampeders. And uh, one of the young guys here in church was up there talking to him. And he went out and he got him a, a, a nice, uh, I think it was a Stampeders hat, and signed it for him. I think, yeah, that's the kind of church we are, yes. But we have people here that will just do acts of kindness and good things uh, for one another. And then another person was sharing about, you know, hey, I, I was out visiting this person, Pastor, and, and I was able to lead them to the Lord, Pastor. And, and just hearing stories like that afterwards, I was more excited after the service than I was during the service. I was just listening to the good things that God is doing among you. And so I just want to say thank you for, uh, for being part of the body here this morning. Thank you for touching other people. Thank you for supporting this work. Uh, thank you for being here. We're getting ready for the greatest move of God our world has ever seen. And, you know, and if you're a new person here today and you know, you've been feeling a drawing to come to this place, I want you to know that's the Lord. He draws us. He pulls us. And if you're here today and you've never come to that place where you know, you've opened up your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I encourage you to do that today. And it can be a simple prayer just like that. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart today. I don't know what all that entails. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. But I, I'm ready to say, I give you my heart. Or maybe you've been a Christian for quite some time and you've been struggling. Your faith is not where it should be. Then maybe that same prayer could be, Lord Jesus, 
I'm going to give you my heart. I know you're after my whole heart. I'm going to, I give you my whole heart today. And then as well, you know, after you do that, then take another step and you get baptized. You get baptized in water. And, and to take that step where, you know, as you get baptized, but what you're, you're doing is you're signifying to other people that you have come to a faith in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ is now the person that you're going to follow after. And so if you want to be baptized or maybe you, as a Christian, you've kind of fallen away for a while and maybe you got baptized when you were a kid and it just didn't have the meaning as what it would have today and you want to be rebaptized, come and see me. We're going to have a baptismal service here soon and I hope that it'll just be a continuation, that we'll start seeing more and more people come, commit their lives to Christ and, and get baptized in water. And so some good things that are happening. But let's do everything that we can to prepare ourselves for another Jesus revolution. I really believe that God is wanting to move upon our world again. We're in a desperate situation. We really are. And people are going to start realizing that Jesus Christ is the answer that we all need. Not just some people need. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And we want to be even a, a greater part of our lives here today. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you that you pursue us. Thank you, Lord, that you are pursuing us. Thank you, Lord, that we could sense that today, that you are pursuing us, that you want us, you desire us. Lord, we've come here to worship you, but, Lord, you're here because you want to pursue us. You want to touch us. You want to minister to us. You want to speak new things into our lives. You want to help us. You want to deliver us. You want to heal us. There's many things that you desire to do in our midst. And so we welcome you, Lord Jesus. We welcome you, Lord Jesus, to walk in the midst of your church, to walk and touch each and every heart that is in this place. And Lord, I realize that every one of us is probably at a different place in our lives different things going on in all of our lives. But, Lord, you know that. And that as you walk by, that, Lord, you just touch us. You would just begin to minister to us and touch our lives here today. So, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.